0: hello everyone and welcome to making the scene where each episode my guest and i talk about one sequence from a film and discuss it from every and any angle we can find why does it work how does it work Great film is alchemy, the result of an interaction between writing, performance, light, sound, sets, and editing. On Making the Scene, we try to understand that alchemy through the lens of a single scene, to understand the director's approach to their film by understanding how and why they built this one specific moment. The guests are my choice, but the scenes are theirs. So today, my guest is filmmaker and friend, A.B. Allen, who I am very excited to have on for my first episode back after a very long hiatus. Their thoughts and analysis of film over the years, I've known them have pushed me to think about things from different angles, appreciate formal techniques I hadn't considered deeply enough, and reevaluate movies through their lens. For today's episode, they've chosen a scene from Gillian Armstrong's 1994 adaptation of Little Women. But before we get into the scene itself, welcome to the show, Andrew. How are you doing? I am doing lovely, Eric. Thanks for having
1: me. I'm very excited to do this. This is a film that I've loved for a very, very, very long time, but I feel like I haven't actually had a chance to speak about in any formal terms. You know, it's 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 been such like one of those ones that sort of got into my life so early that you kind of just take every choice in it as kind of immaculate you know you're not you're not like pondering how the lighting is affecting things you're just feeling it and so this just felt like a wonderful opportunity to take a film i think i think the film i've seen not even i think definitely the film i've seen more than any other film in my life like i've seen this film absolutely the most more than more than any other by a long shot um and actually you know apply my knowledge as you know a film lover a filmmaker and so on and so forth to to this to this film that that feels so fundamental to me and and it's, it's I'm excited I'm excited
0: it's it's great. This is I I can tell this film is really important to you because uh, both it was on your list of uh, Christmas films I believe this year yes. that you put together for Instagram, and then when I was doing some work of my own, I think you have four separate letterbox reviews of this movie um, over the years that you've done.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, definitely, because it's it's uh it's one that my family watches literally every year around Christmas. So like every single time, and I will log it every single time. That's not gonna. It's not going to stop. And watching watching it this past year, I think part of the reasons it was like so so in my brain this year was that um, my family and I um, watched the more recent 4K restoration of it, but we watched it on my parents' TV. And now this may come as a surprise to some people because of how much movie buff I am, but my parents have a better TV than me, and so they, that that uh, we were able to take advantage of the HDR in it at and the way the colors popped and the way the textures popped, like, we had never seen before. Like, like my, mo- my mom, she loves movies, but she's not, like, a, a technical movie buff. And so watching it throughout the movie, she kept pointing out, she was like, I've never noticed that costume before, like, the way that costume is woven before. I've never noticed, you know, the way that the reds in the scene are, like, popping up. Like, and afterwards, like, you know, whenever I was trying to draw her into conversations about, like... A standard definition versus high definition before she was always like, you know, I, I kinda see it, but you know, that's more your thing. But this time she was like, That was tremendous. That was like a, a new movie, basically. And that's how big of a leap it was and how you know how how powerful it was to see it in this new lens. And so it's been on my brain, the actual craft of it, because I felt like I've I've rediscovered it for the first time uh this December. So, you know, I, I'm ready I'm ready to 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 get into the, the guts a bit of it. Of it.
0: That's beautiful. I, I'm. This is just for clear, Mike. My first time seeing the film was a result of this, which happens sometimes. And I, I had never seen this version of Little Women. I had seen Gerwig's um, version in, in the theaters and have never read the book. So it was really interesting um, coming into this movie since it, this is a, a much more, and we'll talk about this in various ways, I think a classical and straightforward take on the material. Mm-hmm. And so having not had any, any um, connection to the original source, all I had seen is kind of the more meta deconstructionist approach of of the 2019 attempt. So it was really interesting coming back in. And I will say everything you just described makes me really feel bad that I ha- I watched this on Amazon, like prime streaming because what you're describing of the 4k thing, I was so blown away from the first moment of this movie visually that I, I could just reading you talk about the, the 4k version had me like, upset i wasn't seeing it in that because i can tell this is a movie that would pop that way so um well they
1: actually i think they have that transfer on amazon prime but you have to go down to the 4k version of it it's like a couple (laughs) sections below the regular version like you have to find it which is dumb because we rented it we spent money to rent it and then i went to amazon prime later i was like there it is that's that's the one that's i think that's the (laughs) one but you have to find the 4k the 4k copy on amazon prime but it is there it is there it's delightful though
0: well, that's. I'm gonna probably rewatch this at some point soon, um, with my partner, um, because yeah. um, she, uh, she's a book reader and uh, um, has seen the Garwick version, but not this. And I'm, I'm definitely gonna reapproach, and I'll just use that as my excuse to watch the 4K version. So <laughs> love it, perfect. Perfect. Um, perfect, perfect. So yeah, the, let's talk a little about the scene. So um, why don't you tell me which um, specific scene from Little Women you chose to talk about today?
1: So I've chosen probably the hardest scene to talk about in Little Women. Um, I chose Beth's death scene, which occur- occurs near the end of the film. Um, and it's a big its a big moment in every adaptation of Little Women. Every adaptation, it's like a big hinge point for the characters. And the way this film handles it is very, very, very different than how the 2019 version handles it. But I picked this scene partially because it has such emotional sway on me. Like, I'd never watched it and not felt it. Not once in my life have I gotten through that scene and not felt it that particular scene. And I'm, I'm, I'm choosing, it's sort of, I'm, I'm kind of doing a three for a bit here because I chose the scene directly before her death scene, I chose her death scene and then the scene directly after it, which are all sort of in my brain, part and parcel with one another. They're all the same general beat, if you will. Um, and it, it, because it's something that I've always felt, I think, I think I've felt it more Probably than any other movie scene in the history of cinema, um, and in that way, because I, I my feelings about it are so powerful and so subjective, it just felt like a really prime example for me to like take like a more like not critical, but not in the sense that I'm like trying to, to criticize it, but more so like this critical like wait, but why? Like why do I feel this way? Like I know that I feel this way, but like but like why and why does it have this much power over me? And it's it's fascinating because it's a scene. I think more than pretty much any scene in in movies that I grew up with, like my family, whenever we're whenever we're at that scene, every single year, nobody says a single, nobody breathes from the beginning of that to the end of that, and that is that is it. Like and and it, there's there's this common like understanding between everybody that this is like a holy thing almost, if that makes sense, um, and when it. it I, it just feels like such a such a strange thing for me to to analyze but like it feels like the kind of thing i need to analyze you know if something's this powerful for me as an artist i need to know you know why
0: that I I'm that's, this is really exciting to me to be able to be a part of this conversation with you on this because you are someone who thinks really deeply about the whys of things so I'm really excited about your thoughts as being kind of a new exploration of a scene. Um, before we get into the scene too much though, I have one question just because I'm I'm interested when I when you chose this scene, you hmm. um you told me you kind of give a caveat of worried that I would react due to over sentimentality or that it would seem cheesy or whatever and I'm just curious is that a reaction you've gotten from people is this just an anxiety because it's something you. Loved as a kid. I'm just really curious where that came from.
1: You know, it's kind of it's kind of both because it's one of those things that, like, I think as I've grown older, like, and I I've, I think there have been little moments when I'm watching a movie when I try and press against the scene a little bit to like be have a more critical lens. And there's like part of my brain that's like, you know, this is like super like sentimental and like kind of like like weepy and stuff, but like. By the end of that scene, I would always like lose that critical lens, like because it would still overpower me, you know. And so, like I'm, I, I always had it in my head, I was like, maybe for somebody who's never, who did not grow up with this film or whatever, it wouldn't have quite that same thing. Like maybe, maybe that sentimentality, maybe the weepiness of it or whatever would kind of tip them into being like, yeah, I'm being manipulated or whatever people like to say about big emotional scenes. But like, I don't know. It's something that like I intellectually. No, the film very much like wears its heart on its sleeve and i know that's something that like a lot of particularly contemporary viewers struggle with in a lot of movies um and so it was it was it was sort of just a worry like this intellectual knowledge that I've, i feel like somebody out there definitely feels that way about this adaptation of little Women, but I don't. And so I, it was a possibility, and I threw it out there. It's like, a, you know, I hope I hope this doesn't read as cornball um, to <laughs> you. Know.
0: It was interesting. I mean, I will say it, it absolutely did not, but I, I had noted that down as, like, I was, I'm very curious for that. So that's that's great. Um, So one last thing before we get into the scene, because this is going to come up, and I don't want to drop this midway and have us reevaluate. And you might know this, but in my research on this movie, I learned that this scene is the only scene they had to fully reshoot because they, I there was a, yeah. So there was a problem in the lab, like the mm-hmm. lab processing of the film. There was some failure. So after it had shot, after it had gone to the lab, they were like, "Oh crap, we have to redo this again." And wow.
1: That's <laughs> <laughs> so fascinating. Yeah, it's
0: fascinating. Oh, I'll, I'll drop that some actually links. Actually, reminds the, me. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Please
1: do. That actually reminds me, though, because that's actually very similar. There was a project that I did a little while ago. Still haven't finished yet for a number of logistical reasons. But like the biggest emotional scene in the whole thing, toward the very end, we did actually have. It's the one scene that we re-shot the entirety of, like every the entire thing, because we, we um, we lost the audio for it. Our audio like got the file got corrupted. I'm not sure what it was. So it was one of those things where we have to go back. And and it actually was better the second time. Funny enough, we came back to it six months later, away from the body of the rest of the shoot and had to redo it. So it's just it's it's fascinating knowing that because I do kinda of wonder if the version that ended up in the film is just a better version of the scene than whatever they originally shot.
0: There's there's something in it that um, that was changed, which I think you know. Okay, you. I'm gonna. If it's okay, I I I'd love us to start talking from a performance angle because you had mentioned Please. like talking about Claire Danes, and and I think it's worth it because there's something a very specific change that I learned about in here that I think colors will color our conversation, which is that Please. the big the big change. There's only a big change, but the main change they made was in the first version. Um, Joe apparently reaches out to touch Beth's face, and they switched it to have Beth reach out to joe and to reshift the angle of beth being the strong one in the scene beth almost comforting joe in this scene which is something that did track for me when i was watching it but i didn't realize that actually was kind of the the shift between like how they decided to make it better on reshoot was re-approaching it from that angle so um i wanted to put that it's out so much as we go though this. Like, it it's is so
1: intrinsic to my read of the scene that's why it why it works because like there's almost this um well, it's interesting because because it's actually and, and, and jumping back to to the scene directly before it, it's actually such a hinge moment in the movie because it is, it is it you feel it in your gut before it's about to happen. You know what's going to happen because Joe comes back and she you know she runs into her she runs into Meg her sister outside Then she goes inside and her mother is by bed Beth's, um, bedside, and her mother comes over to Joe and it's the first time in the entire film that you really see, you know, Marmee, like fall apart like and that's when you know that it's bad that's when you know it's really bad and pretty much everybody in the film hits their most fragile moment at the exact same time so going into that scene having seen you know susan Saranda's performance is tremendous i think in the film absolutely stunning work on her part um but going going into that scene you 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 go into the scene with a sense of destabilization like joe has seen her mom, who you've never seen in this film, like, crack, basically. Um, and it lays this emotional foundation where Beth kind of has to be the strong one, I think. If Joe is still the strong one, it's like, why is Marmy falling apart if Joe is the the one who's going to be strong in this moment? You know, what, what, what does Joe have right now that Marmy doesn't have? And I think that Beth needs to be this sort of, like, kind of just on another level, everybody else is seeing, But I will say, I will say this, it's a, it's a fascinating balance that they hit perfectly because they don't, one thing that bothers me and one thing that, not with this movie, but with death scenes in general, especially with death scenes in gentler movies, and I would say this is a very gentle film, um, is when death scenes come, the characters who are dying can feel just a little too at peace with it sometimes. You know, this like perfect angel, it's like, you know, and some of the dialogue based on the way it's written, I could see it easily being interpreted that way. But Beth... The way they play it, and this is the genius of it, Beth has to choose to be the strong one in the scene because she's not necessarily always feeling strong. There's a a line toward the end. It's like the second or third to last line she says in the entire film when she says, like... She literally says the word, I am not afraid, but, like, on the word afraid, her voice cracks. And so you know she is. You know she is. Um, But she's still choosing to be the strong one in that moment that's what makes it powerful it's not that she's like uh, she's not she's not like a she's not one of those perfect angel characters who's just on another level of like consciousness where she's just not afraid of death you know she wasn't meant for this world and you know it's okay i can pass away it's all right it's all right you know that's that's a thing that's a trope that happens on a lot of a lot of media and in this she's choosing to be that person for joe but she's still a person in that moment you know and and it's so it's so effective because they strike that balance perfectly. And I'm so glad that they reshot the scene. I'm so glad they had to reshoot the scene because its power stems from that exact dynamic. Um, and and just knowing now that that is the case, it's just so, it just makes it so much more powerful. Like, I, I think that's that's stunning. I love that so much.
0: I, I, I felt the same way. I agreed. It was so, it was intrinsic to me for why this works as well. And um, I mean, there's, you, you called this out, the you know, that that Beth gets to be the, um, you know, like a full person in the scene, which is not always common with, with death scenes of this nature. And specifically, the thing that really stuck out to me in, Cl- in Claire Dane's performance, and I should call it, this is Claire Dane's first theatrical performance too, so.
1: She was only, I think, 14 when she shot the movie. And yeah. it is not the performance of a 14-year-old man. It is not. It is, it is it is it is something else it's on a different
0: <laughs> it, it's an intensely mature performance of and you know like and specifically what she brings through this scene is an oscillation between tenderness and love and happiness at having joe back Um, Fear of what's coming but also bitterness at having been left behind. She brings up her worries of people leaving I don't understand it and and it's not anger bitterness It's not cruel, but it's clear that Beth is is on her while trying to be strong for Joe Also working through the fact that she is hurt by the one who had to stay behind and that everyone left without her And that is a note that most death scenes would avoid because it feels like too much or you're twisting a knife But it makes it so real to me that that's such an intrinsic part of this.
1: Well, it's also it's also emblematic of, of Joe, I think, because Joe feels the same way for a lot of the movie. There is this sense of, like, Joe wants to do something important and valuable, but when she feels left behind, she gets bitter. And, like, you see that in, in how she relates to Meg when Meg is starting to have her own romance and Joe responds to it in such, like, a petty and, like, sort of, like, this... You know, I don't. I don't get it. why do we. Do, why do any of us have to get married? Blah 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 blah. This kind of like ugh, I don't want things to change. And so, in a way, in a way, Beth is like reflecting that emotion back at her. It's it's almost. And Beth doesn't mean for it to be confrontational, really. She's just talking about her own feelings. But for Joe, I think it is confrontational because it, it's it's a moment where Joe has to like kind of choose to to reckon with that change and the fact that Beth is the one who's being left behind and she's going to die right here so there is a sense that like the life that she once kind of wanted that sort of preservation of that perfect little that little bubble of like the life that they had is going to pop right in this exact moment you know and she's hearing her own perspective kind of uttered back to her and that perspective is about to die with the person who said it you know and that's ultimately what gives her the strength to write the book by the end of the film, is that sort of like, you know, that part of my life is definitely, is done. It is over with and death is the end of it. Um, and and I just think that that's, it's such deft screenwriting, you know? It's such effective, it's such an effective, because normally you would avoid having characters espouse basically the same point of view at various points in the movie. Like you, you, you'd be like, oh, that's too similar. We need Beth to have her own completely unique perspective, but but she, she doesn't, she is sort of in that moment, she is both herself and she's similar to Joe in that sense, but Joe also has this pull between who that side of herself and you know going off to New York, being a writer, all that other stuff. And so it's just, it's just such an interesting choice and, and it cuts right to the themes at the core. It's not, it's not a, a moment that exists in a vacuum, it's sort of the centerpiece of the entire film in a way, this, this relationship between what you had and comfort and what you want and going to acquire that and attain that and and become a new person as you grow um and i just love that i just love it i love it so much and and i've appreciated that more and more and more as i've grown up and like felt that a bit more felt that tug between those impulses myself
0: i i really love that framing and i i it's there's there is this this scene, you know, it was – you call this – this is a hard scene to watch, and and it was very emotional for me and watched it, you know, probably six or seven times uh, outside of the first time watching it. and And it is – it's the – it captures – and Claire Danes' performance is actually really key to this. The writing, also, I should call out Robin Swicord, Swicord, not sure how, how to pronounce I always thought Swicord, I have actually no idea how it's second to it pronounce, but I always said Swicord in my brain. I, I will go with that. Um, uh, the screenplay here is is, is very is a equal part of this. But what Claire Danes brings, um, is a view of the complexities of the moment of passing of goodbye, you know, which is which death is that, um, that. I, you very rarely see, and I, I like that you called it a gentle movie. Like you rarely see in a gentle movie that wants a death to be gentle, and and this this is earnest and heartfelt and not cruel. But it is, it doesn't sand the rough edges. And her performance, especially, is raw and ragged. And no one knew at this point that Claire Danes would become the premier pained giver of acting performances later. But you can see the edges here. But her, this yeah. is such a such a rough like in a good way performance you know like at this moment it's it's it it the edges are there the bumps are there it's amazing yeah
1: well you know it's, it's almost funny that claire dane's cry face became like a meme like on tumblr and stuff because like every time i saw the meme i'm like that's so true but to, in my head that was not that was not claire dane's cry face that was just beth like to me that was always that was, i was i i know that like that face that that emotion is seared into my brain and it's such a specific thing and she she knows how to tap into pain in a way that like, not like, not like outsized pain. I mean, it can be outsized pain. She's definitely done big outsized pain, but here it's like such a nuanced and subtle and like quiet thing. Um, And that's sort of what makes it work. I think it would be different if like, it were like a loud pain, it would feel, it would, it would feel more cruel. It would feel more out of step with the film. But because, she's expressing the pain in the same way that she's always expressed any, everything. She's always not, she's never been a particularly like complaining person. It's almost like she, when she talks about being left behind, it genuinely feels like she doesn't understand. Like she just doesn't get it. Like, she, like everybody else has this impulse that she just lacks. And so there was this sense where it's like, she's bitter about that, but she kind of has this like deeper understanding that like she was kind of always going to get left behind in a certain way. You know? And there's almost this like, she she is, I'm not gonna say she's fully at peace with dying, but there is this sense of like, she's not sure what else she would do in this moment. She would, if if anything, she would just stay in the same place, you know? And there is this sort of like, she, she knows she doesn't understand, but she also knows that she doesn't understand. You know, it's not like this belligerent, why can't you just be like me? It's this like, I don't understand and that makes me upset and I fe- I'm upset that like you all have this feeling that I don't but um I still accept and like love you people for who you are um, Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just so it's so layered.
0: There's there's an interesting lens you you kind of bring to this that that ties back to something earlier in the scene that I hadn't thought of, which is um, the, when when Joe arrives and she's talking to Marmee. Um, Marmee says, um, like, basically we, we, th- we think she was waiting for you, you know, that she was, yeah. that, and, and there's an aspect of this, of their conversation that there's one part of, of Beth not understanding one part of sort of the emotional, her own emotional journey through her, her passing that is, that Joe represents, which is the like chasing something else that has something else that she didn't have. And there are, there's almost a way, there's a part of this that feels like Beth, um, this is Beth's the only person Beth can talk to about this specific part of her her yeah. emotional journey. And that's maybe the part of the what she was waiting for. Not just seeing Joe, but yeah. this is it. This is the person she can have this yeah. specific conversation with. And you know, it's
1: it's such a specific thing because she's not waiting for like Amy. It's not that she doesn't love Amy, but she's not waiting for Amy because there's this sense that like it's not that she's just waiting for her entire family to get back so that she can say goodbye to everybody. It's like she has like a final moment of connection, a specific one right in this moment that she needs to have with somebody. And so she's waiting specifically for Joe because Joe is the only other, because like Meg wants to go off and be married. She doesn't want to be a child forever, you know? And and Amy does want to go off and she wants to live a lavish, exciting life in Europe or whatever it is. And there's a there's sense that like Joe, and this is coming back to, yeah, what I was saying before was, Joe is the one other person in the film who has echoed that same perspective that, Best shares. And so it, it makes sense. And it's just the awareness of character there. And this goes back to I haven't read the original Louisa May Alcott novel in a long time, but I assume a lot of this is in there. Or maybe not. I don't know. But like between Swicord and Alcott, um, there's just a, such an awareness of character and why everybody is doing exactly what they're doing. And I think that this is actually a movie that like drilled in so much of my passion for like theme you know, and, like, character. Because, like, the movie knows its character so well, you know, and every single choice they make is never random. It never feels like anybody's contorting for the sake of a plot. It's, like, every single thing is, like, built out of this really intimate understanding of why every person would do precisely what they're doing in this moment, Um, which is why I think that movies that, like, movie sequels where the character, like, is like repeating an arc that they literally learned in the last movie or just stuff like that always bugs me because I'm like do you do you care about this really because like I'm I this means such a foundational movie for me I just don't understand why you ever wouldn't you know um and and you know sometimes I, I don't know and and I guess sometimes people just care more about hitting certain beats that they had in their head and less so about like where the people are coming from. And and Little Women is such a stellar example of knowing where and why your characters are coming from. And that's all those layers. No matter how dig you deep, dig you deep, deep you dig, (laughs) no matter how deep you dig, good Lord it's not even 9am yet. No matter how deep you dig, you never hit something false in Mm -hmm. that film. Um, And I think that's why despite like, you know, intellectually understanding that it is a very sort of weeby sentimental beat in a fairly hyper-sentimental film, I'm still swayed by it because it's not dishonest. It's not dishonest. I think I think when people don't like stuff that feels like cornball or overly sincere, it's not that it's necessarily overly sincere. It's that the sincerity feels like it's coming from like a place that the filmmaker wasn't necessarily feeling, per se. And this just feels like an, there's an urgency here and an earnestness and a truthfulness that makes it just read. It's not. It's not... Sentimentality, for the sake of it, it is a sentiment that is just coming from a core truth that needed to be expressed in some way, shape, or form.
0: I I agree so much. It, it it can feel calculated, and there's nothing calculated here. It's honest. There um there's a quote I was um from from an interview with with Jillian Armstrong that they actually asked her how did they keep the scene from being maudlin or manipulative, and her answer was from the beginning. I said this is about the book. I'm making the book for this era. I'm sure it's. Uh, been the same principle for Greta. Sometimes American films overdo the music, so you've got to be very, very careful not to say to an audience, "This is sad. This is sad." So you will cry. That will just pour people out of it. And I think that what you know this gets to what you're saying, which is that it's very character and theme first. It's understanding why you're there and letting the audience pull pull the emotions from that instead of the other way. Yes.
1: Around. Yes. And and I'm, I'm very glad you brought up the music. I'm very glad you brought up the music because uh, let's just get into the technical stuff, like the screenwriting. Like, okay. Screen script is brilliant. Let's get into the technical stuff, because this is the first time I was able to fully like watch and process what is happening on a visual level, and that's so brilliant. So one thing that characterizes, there's so much happening on a visual level in the sequence. It's all very subtly done. It's all very quiet. None of it's drawing any attention to itself, but it's all there. There's something that's happening in the way that they shoot, specifically the way they light this scene. Um, When you first enter it, and like Joe and and Beth are talking... um, there's this like l- moonlight coming in from the window, and there's trees. There's like there's a, there's wind outside. There's like this aggressive blowing wind, and the, it's blowing the trees in such a way that like it's a gentle, quiet moment. Because I believe she's reading Beth about the book. Um, sorry, that barely ever registers with me because um, I'm just waiting for Beth to die at this point because I know it's coming. So everything that's happening, I'm just gripping my chair and waiting for that to happen. Uh, but there, she's like, it's a gentle moment, very similar to a lot of gentle moments they've had prior in the film. You know, just you know, two sisters sitting there, one's reading the other a book. They're you know, having a nice time. But there's this white light, white moonlight coming in from the window, and the branches in front of it are casting these shadows that are like moving in this really aggressive way. That sort of it it sort of betrays what's happening underneath the moment. You know, it and it's 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 representative of Joe's headspace specifically in that moment i think they're replicating something that's very normal to them but the the movie previously would light similar scenes in a very you know static fashion there would be a warm candlelight or a nice sunlight just coming in through a window but here beneath that gentleness, there is this turmoil. There's this energy that's constantly like flicking across the the light bedsheets. Like you just see this movement. There's a restlessness in the scene. And it's almost like this agitation preparing for what's about to happen. And it's, it's, it's the first time I could be wrong. I don't think I'm wrong. It's the first time in the movie where that type of lighting ever happens the only time in the movie where that type of lighting ever happens you never see anything like that throughout the film that is the one moment never is is light moving in such an aggressive and sort of like strangely almost hostile fashion and and it, it changes the the essence of how you feel about what you're
0: seeing so what's interesting, that was my take when I watched it too, is it was the only time. I went back and there's literally one, only one other time, because I'm like right with you on this. And I was going back to actually look at this because I remember the first time I saw it, exactly what you're talking caught my eye. This is such a warmly lit movie. It's interior spaces are candles and lanterns. And, you know, it's like the natural cool light is only when they're outside generally, and this is, there's only a candle in the background, a little bit of warm light, but the rest is this. Going back, there's one other scene that replicates this moonlight uh, tree thing, and it's right after uh, Joe has cut her hair, and she's crying, and Beth is comforting her. It's night, and it's almost the inverse of the scene. It's like a, a precursor of it that they're together and Beth is being the strong one for Joe in that scene over her, over her crying over her hair getting cut. And I was like, like – yeah. it's it's as as, as as moved as I was by seeing the lighting be different in that scene and thinking it was un- – going back, it's like the intentionality of that is just amazing to me.
1: That is so good. That is so good. And like, yeah, because like it's, it's funny because I actually did – I re- went back and re-watched that scene – the this the the comforting of the hair scene, um, but I actually went back to think about the music. I didn't go back to, to think about the um, to think about the 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 moonlight. But it is it is there, and 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 like drawing that. Now that you say it, like I see it, and like drawing the parallel between those moments. It's just such like the the precision. You know, like I think that a lot of times when people think about like costume sort of drama stuff from like that period, like the 90s, there's it tends to be more in the vein of that sort of BBC style where it's it's a the camera's a little more passive, like and the way it's lit is kind of passive, but like, and so I think I think that doesn't encourage people to to to, to view this film specifically through that kind of formal lens, but it's there, it's absolutely there. And and it makes the scene so much more powerful. So so you get you get that on the way into the scene, that echo of that scene before, and I think you feel that connection because it's it's also one of the only scenes that Joe and Beth have ever shared together prior to this point. Like a lot of time, they're always with one of their at least one of their other two sisters. Mm. So that's the, their two paralleling moments, but. um then one thing that really struck me this time, and like I always felt it and I always noticed it, but I didn't realize how purposeful it was until I saw it this, this time prepping for this was um, on Beth's closeup. Um, the left side of the frame behind her, right, is black. There is no light coming through at all. And it's actually not characteristic of how the film shot whatsoever. Normally there's like some backlight, there's something to fill out to show that the character surrounded is always surrounded by warmth. Whether it be sunlight or candlelight, there's always this sense of like, oh, I'm, I'm home, and the home is represented by the candles. The the comfort of home is represented by those warm lights. And and Beth is being hit by the warm light from the front, but behind her is nothing. There's a void now. Um, and at first, it's like, oh, okay. So they shot that in a way that like is meant to feel. I think earlier on in my life, I would just interpret it as dramatic lighting, right? just dramatic lighting to make the scene feel more dramatic. Um, but one thing that I noticed is that directly after she dies and Joe goes back and it's the same close-up the same close-up where she goes and she touches Beth's face and it's like a it, it's a gentle moment there's light behind her again like the, oh. the light has reappeared so it's only for like the moments leading up to her death it's like there's like this void that's coming to get her and when she's gone the void disappears because it, it took her already. You know, um, and that is just so good. <laughs> that is just tremendous filmmaking. Um, to have this one specific shot, like literally, there's no other shot in the film that that bears that kind of language. I know that because I've seen this so many times, and that is such like a profound and stark choice. Um, and it's so it's so it, it, it has this almost like kind of almost supernatural implication to it. Like there's this thing that's like creeping up on her and she's she's staying in the light of the lamp shining at her, at her face from the right, um just long enough to talk to Joe. But um once that thing has her, it's gone. Like it's almost like the darkness is a thing. It's like a presence almost in the room. And once it's taken what it what it it came to get. It disappears, the room, that, that half of the room is suddenly bright again. Um, and it's not something that you're acutely aware of when you're watching the scene, but it's like totally there. And it's such a key element about what makes that moment feel so, you know. I, I sort of said before when I watch it with my family, nobody talks. And it's like there's like a holiness to the moment, you know? And I think that that's, that lighting is such a key component of like why,
0: you know? That, that's a really good point. And it's interesting because it's paralleled um, by the use of the score, I think, in that the score is there when, oh when Joe God. arrives and, <laughs> and then it re- doesn't reappear until Joe goes to the window and everything in the middle, there is no score. It's a void and it's empty of the music, which is a, a very strong component of the warmth of the family and throughout the entire movie, but it's gone during that entire conversation. It's just the two of them
1: yeah yeah and you know it's it's fascinating because I I, god this is this score Thomas Newman's score is one of my favorite scores of of all time like I adore it to absolute death and it's absence makes the scene feel so specific within the landscape of it Um, and bringing and it's it's not that they don't use music because they do it's like the moment it's literally if Beth dies off camera is one of the other Brilliant little moments like Joe goes to close the window. It, it, again, it's almost like the supernatural moment where it's like the sense of like the wind howling outside. She's like, it, you feel almost, and this is something that it, it, this is something my parents, I think my mom brought up when we were younger watching the movie um, This this almost like angel of death moment where it's like she goes to the window to try and like shut it out almost. Like you hear this wind, there's like this aggression outside and you see, you see those branches that I talked about before dancing across Joe's face. And she's like trying to shut out this thing that's coming to get Beth almost, but it's already in the room, you know? Like whatever it was, it slipped through the window and it's been sitting behind Beth the entire time. So by the time she, she turns back around Beth is gone, and so is the the thing, if you will. And bringing the moment, the music back in at that moment, and it's the main theme of the film, but like reorchestrated in a much gentler piano. um, It's just such an interesting choice to like wait to bring that back. You know, it's like you've been holding your breath the entire scene, and then when when the scene has hit its apex and you're sort of coming down from it, that's when the music comes back. Because it's not telling you how to feel. It's an expression of how you already feel, you know? And that theme, and it was interesting because like, I, when I rewatched the scene, I was like, yeah, like, choosing to use um, the main title track of, of, the, of the film there is, is fascinating because there is actually a theme that already exists related to Beth, and specifically Beth dying. That you get have introduced earlier on in the film, um, when Beth gets sick the first time, Um, and when when Marmee comes back and she's like trying to draw the fever down from Beth's head, and then when Joe comes down, she sees the empty bed like earlier on. She thinks Beth's dead for two seconds. She turns and Beth is there. There's this very gentle string piece that um, is used. Um, by Thomas Newman, and it's played again when Joe comes back, meets um, Meg in the yard, and then has that beat beat with Marmee before. It's the same piece of music. So there's a piece of, there's a theme that's already associated with, with Beth dying. But when she dies, you don't get that beat, that theme at all. It's actually gone. What you get is the main theme of Little Women, and that theme represents home at every moment throughout the film, or it represents place, your your sense of place where you're supposed to be. Every time a character, Joe specifically, is wrestling with where she's supposed to be in the film, where she belongs, or she feels like she is where she belongs, it depends how it's orchestrated, but at the very beginning of the film when you open, that's the theme you get. Uh, later on, um, when she goes to New York the first time, you get this triumphant version of her being like, "Aha!" I found like my new place. Maybe this is where I belong. It's like this big, like stately version of the theme, um, and you get it at the very, very end uh, with the kiss and all that. Like it's layered throughout the film. Um, it's actually it's it's in the the scene when um when Beth comforts Joe about her hair as well. There's the sense of like either it's a theme that represents you being at home or finding a new place to maybe consider home, and that's what it always means. And choosing that. To be the scene, like the music that plays right after Beth dies, it sort of lets you know it's like a herald of of this like oh you're not getting that that Beth dying theme because it's done, like that ended and now you're back at the home theme and a a, a key element of what represented home for Joe is now is now gone and so in other parts of the film where it's about being at home or finding a new home. It's the one time in the film where that theme represents the loss of home. Um, And it's just, it's just such a brilliant choice. It's just such a brilliant orchestration of that particular piece of music too. Because it's just, it's just piano. They play it once where it's just piano as Joe crawls into bed with Beth's body. Um, And then it, and then moving into the next scene, which we'll get, which we should, we can get to now. Um. You add in like this light choir, this like children's choir. Um, and it's totally different than any other time they ever play that piece of music in the film. But that mix of familiar with like a wildly different orchestration and tone is like so, so, so striking. And it, I think that was also a really formative element in how I understood movie
0: scores. I, I can see it, it's it is it's an it's atypical without feeling um, aggressively unapproachable like it's not you know it's not the approach someone would take but it it again it goes back to this coming from I think a feeling of heart and it uses that music almost as the like the moment of realization as opposed to telling you how to feel as it's going like it comes in there's a there's a way this this scene feels to me that it's almost that. You can tell it's people who know that time is running out that are trying to hold off time running out you know, like they don't have that much time they're talking and so there's a a sense of pause like like that that this is gonna come to an end but all things are paused and then it's almost life restarting now without Beth like when that realization like she goes to the window she shuts it and then like you said the lighting comes back the things it is the world that it was but Beth is gone now and so that choice of all these things to kind of re-enter the film technically um, is is interesting instead of I I feel like a lot of filmmakers would go the other direction and take the things away as a result of the death and instead it's like this moment of pause is over this moment of trying to grab onto each other is now not can't happen anymore and it's life again now and someone's gone, yeah. but it's life again now.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and God, that that's that's such a that's such an accurate way of 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 talking about the scene. And it's also like it's a scene that y- it's truly holding its breath. The entire scene is holding its breath. And that theme, though familiar, and it, it's like because it's familiar, is like a release, basically. But it's a release into. You're right, this sense of like, we have to step back in, into like a sense of normalcy in a way. Um, like this is kind of what home has to be now in a way. It's, it's, it's a theme that represents home, but it's, it's the theme reflecting home without Beth, you know. Um, and moving into that scene where Hannah is, um, it's such an interesting choice. Cause like your your the gut impulse I think in most cases would be to do like a funeral scene like a proper like funeral beat, but they don't, and it's 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 interesting that you have this. I don't want to see say like cool down. I don't want to say like cool down because it's not like trying to let you out of the emotions; it's making you feel the emotions. But like this scene directly after the death, is with a character who isn't like a main character, you know, it's the housekeeper, you know, and there's this like, actually, before we get into it, I'm curious what you've, I, I want to hear your thoughts as like, like an outside, like kind of person first coming into this movie. Like, like how did that beat with the roses and the, the everything? Like how did that feel to you? I'm, cu- I'm curious. Cause I know I... how it feels to me. I've <laughs> thought about this a thousand times and I'm curious about you.
0: I've been I've been chewing on this this a lot from a couple of different angles, and you know the first time was it 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 does have like a, a kind of like your breath like a, a chance to breathe into the the um the feelings that you're having. I agree by not making it a funeral, but but also by not moving on immediately. It's a scene that that encouraged me to to live in the grief of that moment because it is it's a it's a scene very much of like. Of um, someone taking actions to memorialize someone, but like on their own, alone, and um, there, there's. L- it's but actually once again it's very human like it's not just like something about a funeral would feel almost um ritualistic and this isn't that's actually she's doing something that almost feels ritualistic but then she as she's leaving she sees the dolls and decides to drop flowers there and so it's a human moment for this person who's on their own saying goodbye to someone but because of that it's separate from the family so you're not riding off the main it wasn't riding off of like the um their family like their feelings i wasn't writing off of how they were reacting it almost lets you react to your feelings about beth's passing because it's not giving you um anyone else to play off of except someone you don't have a lot of emotional connection with because they haven't been in the film very much so anyways that was yeah. a little bit rampant that's kind of the, the feeling it gave me
1: yeah no i i i definitely agree and it's such a because I, I don't believe that that's in the book. I haven't read the book in a very long time, but it, I, you know, I'm pretty sure the book pretty pretty strictly sticks to the POVs of the characters. So I'm pretty sure that's an invention of the screenplay. And yeah, it is just a moment that. Yeah, it's not it's not showing you a bunch of sobbing faces. It's not it's not doing the obvious thing. It's doing this like subtle, like gestural. There is there is a type of ritual to it, but it's not like this grandiose. Like it's so small. I think is 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 the thing that that strikes me, and it's such a brilliant way to to exit that moment. Because if you jump straight from that Joe in bed with her to you know to the scene directly after, which is them all sitting in the living room in in black, you know. Um, Post or pre funeral, I don't not crystal, on, on whether they're about to leave or they just came back. Um, but I think you would lose a little, a little something there. Um, there's, there's this, there's I, this concept. need that transition.
0: There's this concept, um, there's a word in in the psalm specifically in the Bible that, that this scene brings up to mind, which the word is Salah, and you see it in like the ends of psalms and stuff, and there's a lot of commentary over what it might mean, whether it's a musical direction, but one of the common things is to pause or to praise. And I say that because this this moment has the emotional feeling of Salah to me. It's like, take a break, take a break beat, don't go on to the next thing. Like the next thing will be a different yeah. feeling. Live in this moment.
1: And it's, it's so interesting to watch like a, a, a movie like this. Like, I, I think every once in a while when you're watching is particularly like novel adaptations of like period pieces and stuff like that. Like them not fully knowing how to handle harder emotions. Like it's like they kind of skirt past them in a way. And there is this sort of like, there's a grace to like having this, like just this one little moment set aside. Just for that, that that like take a beat, take a breath, like contemplate, live with this heart feeling, um, that I think is just so like I, more filmmakers should aspire to that. I think you know, even if you are the kind of person who, I think that there's there's this false dichotomy in a lot of cinema of like either this is like a this is a heartfelt, wholesome movie that avoids hard emotions, or this is like a heavy, grim movie that, like, rub your nose in hard emotions. And this is an exceedingly gentle and earnest and like kind-hearted film that, nevertheless, wants you to live in a hard emotion. Um, and that's so special. I think that's so unique. It, it's 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 what I've I'd like to talk about recently um which is i feel like a lot of times when people like love the accusation of like tonal inconsistency or stuff at like contemporary movies it's because we've been trained to view movies essentially monotone now there's this like there are brands of movies and you're going to get a, a hit of happy or you're going to get a hit of sad or a hit of scary or a hit of nihilism or whatever and if the movie deviates from that people accuse it of being like Totally inconsistent, or whatever you have, and and I think that that didn't used to be the case. I think Little Women is a tremendous example of a film that's like more than ready to like let you sit in literally whatever emotion, no matter how you know wholesome and uplifting, or like sad and like existentially sad. Um, and and that range of feeling makes it a more a much more complete. Experience to me, and this is actually something that I, I, God, I didn't, I didn't really want to go here. But this is something that I actually struggled with just a bit in the twenty nineteen Little Women was this sort of sense that, like, yes, it is this sort of more like modernistic kind of like meta edge to it. But it also felt to me, and I think now just talking about it, it also felt to me like it was almost sometimes I don't I don't want to slander the film unduly, but sometimes it felt like it was using this sort of like cocky meta thing to dodge emotions that would otherwise read as like overly sentimental or overly sincere or overly touchy-feely or overly anything. You know, it's sort of, it it took that range and compacted it into something just a little more about, strictly about the sort of wit of everything and the sort of, you know, a lot, hyper emphasis on this sort of, you know, almost like fast-paced, like, in a weird way, almost Goonies-esque, like, over-chatting and stuff like that. Which is, I'm not, I'm not gonna say it's like the wrong choice, but it it is striking to me that the moments where um, the movie could really like make you sit with either emotions that are like ecstatically happy or like deeply, deeply, deeply hard, it kind of, I don't want to say it dodges them totally, but it, it sort of bounces off them a little bit. Um, and and I think that that was one of the things that like having grown up on this version, I struggled with, struggled to connect with in the newer version, is because I these things and these moments and these characters meant so 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 much to me, and my brain was trained for them, mean so so much to me that to watch this movie sort of be like oh you know kind of kind of like oh that's kind of that's kind of weird you know kind of bounce off it uh, kind of struck me in, like rubbed me just a little bit the wrong way um, and and I think I think it's emblematic of how movies. Now are versus how movies then kind of were, or not not all movies then. I don't I don't want to suggest that every movie came out in the early nineties was like an emotionally truthful piece or whatever. But there wasn't that like knee jerk hostility toward having that sort of like range of silly, deeply happy, deeply deeply sad, romantic, you know, all these things just happening all in one thing. And and I think that we a film as an art form would be better if it found a way to rediscover that and that's something i think all of my favorite films have in common like my true favorite films have in common where they're talking about little women or lord of the rings or pirates of the caribbean 3 specifically um the, the at world's end um or you know i don't know just any any litany of, of 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 films that i adore is that they will take you to really low the incredibles another great example the incredibles one of my favorite films of all time Take you to really, really low places, and take you to really, really high places, and they're not afraid that that emotional range is going to alienate you as an audience member, and I value that so, 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 so much.
0: I, am I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I, I share a lot of what you're, you're you're expressing here, like about you know the difference in approach and focus leading to you know when you know the analysis kind of overliving the emotion you know i think there's a lot of the new version that it's a valid a valid take but it is very interested in understanding it as a work um whereas this is very interested in understanding the characters as people um through this work it's just a very different interest i think in yeah. the in the thing and i i connect much more i'm i'm a tremendous fan of like very out emotions like I I think that cloaking emotions is my is like I, when I'm in a cranky mood it's the coward's way out there's valid reasons to do it but you know like yeah. I mean Mike I you know I talked brief earlier on the show about um, Magnolia and the reason I love Magnolia for over a lot of PTA's later works is it's the one that doesn't isn't afraid to feel things wildly and so movies that are willing to just be like the, we're gonna live in these emotions we're gonna go for them really really click for me I'm this dead as well and I think that at an interesting technical level at this in this last scene you kind of get the way it's making you deal with all the emotions there's i had this written under symbolism because i couldn't figure out how else to write this but we cut into the scene with hannah violently ripping um uh, petals off of the roses that she's gonna drop like it's it's a it's a very harsh scene and then it's gently sprinkling from there and i i find that interesting it's like it's this um, i am i feel like i'm in english class talking symbolism which i never do but like in this way but like <laughs> it is like the like the the violence of the, like the destroying of something really beautiful and then this like like memorializing of it and like care for it and i just find that though it, it goes from right from one to the other it isn't like a gentle thing it's like this cut to these ripping and then Hannah gently sprinkling. It's, it's a very interesting choice to me.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Cause it is, it is such a bitter motion. Like that always struck me from when I was like little to go from this like very gentle scene of the death and then to see like roses and then a hand reach into the roses and just tear them apart. It's like so, it's so violent. It's just, it's so, it's such a, it's such a, but it's such a brilliant cut. Cause it takes that violence and then it turns into just like this like profound act of gentleness you know, of her on the piano that um that Beth got from Mr. Lawrence, um, to the bed, to the dolls, and then like squeezing the doll's hand and letting it go. And it's 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 emblematic of what has just happened emotionally, that sort of like violent tearing from the stem into this gentle sort of like grace note of like letting go and memorializing, but it's also emblematic of, of I think the film's range of emotions, you know, of, of literally exactly what we were just talking about, that like in the span of like 10 seconds, you see such an intense range of like physical expression. And that is the range that you get in the whole, in the whole film. And that is just, it's just so what, I guess sense sensitive filmmaking. It's just it's such, it's such it's it's being so in tune. I think I think I think that what that is 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 a, a film being aware itself of itself in a profound way but not a self-conscious way. A film understanding itself on such a deep level that it knows how to encapsulate th- its entirety in a way in the span of exactly like five seconds that you get toward the very end of the film. And that is, that is just, for me as an artist, that's like aspirational beyond aspiration, you know, like that is just so, that's like why we do any of this shit, right? Like, that's like the point, that's the point, you know? Um, and, And in a way, I think I'm just, I think I'm incredibly grateful that this was like such a foundational work for me as a person moving into being an artist because it it set a standard it set a certain metric for how art can be and how art ought to be that i feel like i am like i don't want to say like chasing per se but like aspiring to like i want i want to to my work to have that that range to have that scope to have that completeness you know and I think I think that a lot of my favorite works this is actually true of fucking Les Miserables as like a stage show it's just like one of my favorite musicals of all time maybe my favorite musical of all time which I know is super cornball thing to say but when it's done well when it's done well you get that same thing because, because I think, I think that the, and this is, this has been like a conversation a lot in film where people are like, you know, tighter is better. You want tight taught movies that are always focused, like eyes on the prize, the sort of like, we're getting to the end. Every, every scene is like built into this plot mechanic. That's going to end in a certain place. I think for me, the stories that are the most profound are the stories where like by the end, like I feel like I've felt everything I could possibly feel. You know, I have experienced, a, like, a life of a person, and I've gone through everything that that entails. You know, this isn't, like, a little, like, a little, like narrative pocket. This isn't just, like, one little, little feeling encapsulated over the span of, like, an hour and a half. This is, like, a full thing. And you get that feeling at the end of Lame Is, you get that feeling at the end of Little Women, you get the feeling at the end of Lord of the Rings, you get the feeling at the end of, like so many different experiences that I hold dear. And that sort of, that that um, ambition to capture something that feels so complete, where after you're, it's done, you don't want to just like leap on to the next thing. You just wanna like sit in it and like go on a walk and like digest and like feel it. That is so, like key to me and I think Little Women as a film on the whole does that tremendously and I think that that I think I don't think it would be that if you didn't have Beth's passing and if you didn't have it handled the way that it is in the film
0: I I agree totally it's it's a it's a I'm I I agree I, I I really appreciate calling out that like completeness of emotion in movies and this is one that really really goes for it. Um, th- so there's there's one other technical aspect of this scene that I really am looking forward to discussing with you because it's something you talk a lot about on Twitter and caring, and this is a thing a movie is extremely good at overall and is subtly, to me, a part of why this scene works, which is the production design and set design. Um, mm. And there are intentional choices in this scene that stuck out to me that I'm curious for your thing. is. So one is... Um, That the piano's there, obviously. That's the obvious thing. It's been downstairs. They've moved it up. And when I started thinking about that piano, what's going on in this, in the look of her room, it feels like a room that was her room and has been reconfigured to care for her. So there's, the piano has been moved up. There's a comfy chair where you can see Marmy's probably been sitting to visit with her. And that chair has been replaced with the normal chair in the scene with Hannah. It's actually gone back to a normal bedroom. But in that moment, it is designed like a room that has been taken over for care. And that level of intentionality was very powerful to me. I'm just kind of curious for your thoughts on the set design in this. And I know I don't know if you have any thoughts.
1: I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I think I do, but it's it's one of those things where it's, like, it's almost subconscious. Like, it's one of those things that, like, I've accepted for such a long time that, like, I barely think about. But, like, yeah, like, you know, on a directorial level, you don't, or on a d- level of production center, you don't have to, have to think in those terms, you know. You can get away with not, but all of those choices, all of those subtle choices, like the, the chair, the comfier chair being in there and then going back to a different chair because, you know, Marmee's no longer sitting there and you never see Marmee sitting there really. Like, well, you do actually in the scene directly beforehand. You do see her briefly, but it's not like a big moment. They could have used any chair, but the fact that they have a comfier chair and they switch it back, like that transition from the scene where she dies and it's a very full room. It's like everything's been brought in there to like live with her. Um, to the scene directly after with Panna and the flowers, the room is suddenly very stark and clean. The piano is still there, but, um, and the dolls are like lined up in a row, but it's no longer a room. You get this gut sense that it's no longer a room that's being like lived in. You know, nobody's here anymore. This this space is, doesn't, it doesn't belong to anybody. Nobody inhabits this any longer. and that is, such like a, that is such like a sensitive choice. And like it's an active choice, you know. I think, I think that you, you can get away with doing anything. But it's an example of, you know, a production team who is so attuned to what the function. It's not just about looking good. And this is something that I think a lot of people get stuck in when it comes to cinematography or production design sense of like, Oh, how do we make it look like pretty? How do we make it look as sort of like, and it's a pretty movie. I think it's a pretty movie. I think it's, it's a, it's a beautifully shot film. Um, doesn't draw attention to itself very much, but I think it's, it's very beautifully shot. I think it's well blocked and staged. Like a lot of the shots you get a lot, they do a lot of work to like, make sure that you get as much like emotional information out of a shot as, as you can get. Um, but, like, it's a movie that is first and foremost concerned with, like, why is everything in this shot here? And should it be here? And how can it change from one beat to the next? And what does that change mean? And it goes, it transcends looking good. And it it, it moves into something that's so much more important, which is something Roger Deakins has discussed with cinematography. It's like, he hates this idea of, like, making films that are, quote-unquote, beautiful. Because, that's not the point. Sometimes beauty can be the point. Sometimes you just need a shot that is just the most beautiful thing you've ever seen in your life. But your goal as a filmmaker, as a cinematographer, as a production designer at every single moment is to take the moment as it sits in the screenplay and realize it to its absolute maximum potential. How can you take the core idea of this 10 seconds and display that visually in the scene um, and... Um, that transition of this place that feels lived in, that feels inhabited, um, that feels used in a way to this almost like wiped clean sense of like, this is still pretty, but it is, it is not, um, it's not like the scene, it's not like it was messy before, but it was like, it, it, there was more noise in the scene. There was more noise in the way it was cons- in in the way it was like set design. There was flowers. There was candles. There was all this different stuff like everywhere. And then it's suddenly not there. And I think subconsciously, most of the audience just feels that starkness. Feels the starkness of that transition. Um, I know that I always felt that. But like coming back to it again, just seeing that was it, it. It just made it so apparent, like how that sensitive attention to detail every each of those elements from shot composition to the use of color the red of the roses on the bed to you know the design of changing the chair from a comfier chair to like the lack of like actual blankets and stuff on the bed like all these different things um, add up to make a moment that everybody is going to feel Um, Whether they're aware of why or not, because none of them are drawing attention to themselves, but they're all doing the absolute most they can possibly do to make sure that the point, the point of this moment is felt by the audience. And... I just, I, like, love that. Like, because you'd really never see rooms in the film that feel that way at all. Like, the, that doesn't happen. Like, every space is really lived. And so there's something incredibly stark and startling and, like, final about signing that section of the movie, signing that character off with an image that feels so, like, gentle and beautiful, but also kind of alien to the language of the film. Um and that yeah no i mean like yeah i i i those those are my thoughts it's more like my gut feeling about it than like having had the time to like study it because it's just something that i just always accepted it's like this immaculate choice it's like you can't do it any other way that's just how it always was so it's how it was always
0: going to be and there you go totally i well you you said something that that connects i think to something you talk about a lot that i've always really appreciated um and i think the way that this scene works you know from design to everything raise this out that you talk a lot about, you know, it's not about what technology a director's using. It's not about CG versus practical. It's not about film versus digital. It's not about any of these things. It is about a filmmaker having a vision and building their production around that vision in a way that all the other creative forces on the, on the, team can make those choices with you. And I think this is a movie that exemplifies that. You know, the, I don't know if Gillian Armstrong specifically had an idea about that thing, but she clearly understood her movie in a way that her design team, the set designers, the production designers could bring that to it because that's their job on the set. And so the this, this is clearly a movie with a deep understood intentionality behind its production, and it expresses itself through these details that it could have been hers it could have been a member of the team that brought it it doesn't matter because everyone was focused i I just think this is a great example of the thing you're talking about there yeah
1: and it's it's really the antithesis of how a lot of people especially people first learning about how to make films and stuff really think about what good filmmaking is you know like i think a lot of the time and, of course, this is how it is, but I think a lot of the time people, like, glom on to very, like, loud choices, even if they're good choices. I'm not, like, arguing that, you know, for instance, fucking Blade Runner isn't stunning. It is. It's a stunning film, and it is. but it's, it, it's very expressive in how it uses visual language, how it creates a world. But I think that there is this sense that, like, great choices are noticeable, you know? Yeah. Um, it's just why also people, it's also funny to me because people often talk about like great visual effects in movies, great CG in movies. And, and like, because people talk about like Thanos, for instance, in, in Avengers Infinity War. And like the detail in Thanos is great. And I'm not arguing that point, but like there is this sense that like, um, uh, this scene, when you're looking at it, you're aware of it's, it's an effect in a way. You're like, you're, you're like, oh, wow, look at the detail on this CG effect, whereas I feel like a lot of the more quiet digital effects work in the world is, like, more impressive and, like, more conducive to storytelling than, like, the loudest stuff. You look at how they use digital effects in the shape of water to make that character expressive. Like, people talk about the makeup work and the creature, you know, building and stuff like that, but, like... A lot of the time, when, when that creature is expressing any real emotion, its face is completely digital. Like, completely digital. And nobody thinks of it as digital, right? Because it is, it is the rest of the body is a practical thing for the most part. And they're just do, redoing the entire face to make it express a feeling. And it isn't like this whole moment where it's like, ah, oh, yes, a visual effect shot. It's just in there. And it's serving that moment and that the intention of that moment and the story So perfectly and organically that you would never think twice about it. And I think Little Women, I've called it a masterpiece for a really long time. I think it is. Um, And I think it's just because it's a film that I have always felt deeply and I've been moved by every moment pretty much um, while never exactly being aware of why. It is not a film that ever draws attention to its choices but its choices are pretty much always the right one. Um, And that is just such an impressive feat to have that humility toward your story as an artist, that you're not making it about like, how can I execute this in the most impressive fashion? It's how can I literally serve this story? Like how do I, this story is already, I believe in this story wholeheartedly. I believe in its power, I believe in its meaning how do I as an artist just come in and realize that in a way that reveals the truth of it at the core of it. And is not about me scrambling to make my authenticity as like an artiste known at every moment. And, and that is just a really unique thing. That's a really special thing. And it's not something you get all the time. Um, and when you do get it, sometimes it can be overlooked. I, I do think it's a shame that this film isn't as well studied as it is. I, I think it's it's a little bit of a shame that, like, we have a new version that's kind of eclipsing it completely, basically. Um, again, I'm not trying to show, throw shade at Gerwig's Little Women. It wasn't for me, but, like, you know, it, it, so many people responded to it. So it's clearly, like, doing stuff that is, like, effective. But, like, we have this really tremendous piece of filmmaking sitting way back there in 94 that so many people could learn from to not just be technically proficient artists, but to be empathetic and, and sensitive artists. Um, and I think that that is, like in a lot of ways, just, like, the the pinnacle of what you as an artist can try to achieve how it is, is, you know, is something I think Spielberg is tremendously good at as well. Like, I just saw West Side Story the other day, and I don't know if you've seen it yet. Not yet, um, no. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. But, like, that's just an example. Yeah, there is a lot of stuff that's drawing attention to, to itself, but in a way that's true to the musical that feels like, oh, yeah, like, this is somebody who, Truly deeply loves this so much, and he needs it to be realized in a way that does justice to it, and not just like, how do I make it interesting? And like mine, there isn't no a sense of possessiveness. It's just how do I take all of the skill that I know and and bring, like humbly bring it to this thing that I think is already so powerful and so meaningful. And you get that's and and that's that's just that's what Little Women. That's what. Jillian Armstrong's Little Women is at the core of it. It's just this absolutely phenomenal example of, of an artist who trusts the story and and just does everything in their power to make the truest, most authentic version of it.
0: I could not agree more. That was a beautiful way of putting it. Thank you so much. Um, be, before we wrap up on this, is there anything on this scene that we didn't get, that I didn't prompt us to discuss that you were hoping to get into?
1: Um, I don't, I don't know. I feel like we covered a lot. I feel like we covered a lot of it. I, I I'm I'm pretty because like my main my main thoughts were like, like the things that leapt out to me were lighting and music, first and foremost, we did we, we touched on both those things. Um, I, I, I mean, I think the one thing that we didn't we didn't discuss uh, really at all um, was Winona Ryder's performance, which I also thought was delightful delightful is not the right word it's it's really touching and it's very sweet and she she always gives a very sensitive and and in-tuned performance in this film um, and she manages to she manages to bring a lot of feeling to the scene and never steal it from Danes like this is really Danes moment this is this is Claire Danes is the anchor of the scene and um, writer models herself models her performance in such a way that she can bring every ounce of emotional truth to it that she would feel in this moment of like profound heartbreak but it's never at the expense of the of the person opposite her who's giving a quieter performance and i think that that's a skill that's a tricky thing to do it's a tricky thing to do to not just like overpower she, doesn't, she manages to have a very strong performance without trying to be the authority of the scene and make the scene, like, about her. Um, and I think that, that that's true of her throughout the entire film. She is our lead, but she blends into that ensemble so organically that you never get this sense of, like, ego. Um, and I think that that scene is, like, a, is beautifully emblematic. Of why she's perfect for that role and why she does such a great job at the film in general
0: thank you for calling out right winona ryder's performance i agree her she she has to go through a lot of very brief but quiet and important emotions from trying to cheer beth up to um, her reaction to being called a, a great writer and then and then there's this this um, this complexity to her, her facial performance in, performance when she gets up to close the window that um she's like torn between staying with joe and also looking like she maybe needs to escape for a moment and that's why she's kind of shutting the window like just breaking away and it's it's very quiet it's a very like small thing but um i agree i I thank you for calling her out because she does phenomenal work in this you know there's something and and
1: not, not not to go too long on this but but um there is there is something i i always felt this way from when i was little there's almost this like um and this is me, this is me, I don't even think this is necessarily the intention, but going back to, this is, because sometimes how you feel about the scene is more what matters than um than what was literally, like, intended. But going back to that metaphor of, like, the darkness in the room, the way that I view it, it when she looks out the window, it feels like she almost saw something. And she's staring in such a way that she, her eyes don't, like, drift everywhere. She's, like, staring at something. and And to me, symbolically, it almost feels like, this thing that came to take Beth came in through the window and is in the scene with them the entire time. And she, when she goes, the wind is blowing. When she goes to turn back to the window, she shuts it. It's almost like the thing slipped out of the window right before she did. And she's like watching it leave. When she turns back around, Beth is like gone. And there's like, and so there is this, like, it adds this almost like spiritual element to this moment that feels so, um, there's never any lines in the dialogue that allude to this. You know, it's not like they phrase it that way, but the visual language feels that way. Um, There's this almost just this like little visual story that's happening there. At least how I feel about it. Um, The way that those shots cut together add up to me, um, add up to this sort of presence. And that is like the one moment where it feels like Joe is like making eye contact with that presence almost in a strange fashion or at least watching its back acknowledging it for whatever acknowledging it for whatever it is um and then when she turns back around beth is gone and like she 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 has this like she has this exhale when she turns back around that like is is like you know again the holding your breath thing it's like it has happened and so like she lets out this exhale but it's not an exhale of surprise it's not this, oh no, what happened, what happened? It's like, she kind of knew before she turned back around. And I think that's what adds to that moment. It makes me feel like she saw whatever it was, and when she turns back around, it's this like, it has happened kind of thing. And I think that that's just, uh, it's perfect on every level. I think it's just, no, 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 notes. <laughs> <laughs> You you did it. That is a scene realized to 100% of its potential.
0: I completely agree. Thank you so much for giving me this prompt to see it and to discuss it. Um, This has been a really wonderful discussion. Thank you so, so much for doing this. I'm so glad.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I am so glad I got to do it. I'm so glad that this prompted me to approach the scene through this lens because it's just such a rewarding thing to go back to something that's so essential to who you are and like come out with like a deeper appreciation for it than you had before, which is hard to do with this, with a movie that's important to me, but it like this, that this has allowed me to have that. So thank you
0: for, for asking me wonderful wonderful it's been my pleasure um and i know that you know people can find you on twitter at a underscore b underscore allen. um correct it's fantastic um thoughts on film one of the in my opinion best um film analysis accounts you're going to find on twitter i would strongly advise you you to go see that um i don't know if there's any other work you would like to call out or anything else you'd like to direct listeners to
1: uh, not really. I mean, like, obviously I have my Instagram. You can follow me on Instagram, um, you know, at uh, it's underscore uh, B underscore Allen. It's the same thing on both. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, if there's any, any work of mine that's coming out soon, which I guess there is some that I've been working on recently, um, you know, just you can follow me on there and anything that I'm doing, you'll see pop up. But like most of what I, I think the interesting thing to do following my accounts is I like talking about movies and more than just like talking at people about movies. I like talking with people about movies. My favorite thing, you know, recently on my Instagram, I've been doing a lot more like film analysis stuff in terms of like the technicals. And on Instagram, a lot less, a lot fewer actual film people follow me. It's more people who aren't as much like technicians or like in film as an art form, but who's nevertheless like movies. And so having people reach out and be like, hey like i appreciate this and like i feel like i'm learning stuff but also like bringing their own observations has always been really interesting to me and and like people talking about how something i talked about in this one movie came up in a different movie and they're excited to talk about it like that's the thing i like most is like talking about it not just to tell people stuff but like to spark that kind of thoughtfulness and how everybody engages with art so that we can talk about it and like i and and sort of like just love film as an art i think that that's so special Um, So, yeah, follow me and and let's let's get chatting.
0: I strongly encourage you all to do that. And um, thank you again for joining us um, today. Um, It's been a real pleasure. Um, This has been Making the Scenes um, second season premiere. So thank you for being a part of it. And um, I will see you on the next scene. Thank you very much.